you can't tell because it's an audio medium uh, listener, but Justin, you know, I, I have a mustache now. I, yeah, I, I was actually noticing that. I was like, wait, uh, like I was like, did, did, did you have that last week? If it'd be too awkward if I mentioned it now, <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I'm just gonna let it go. Like, I didn't. <laughs> no, I. Um, so, I, 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 it's it's tough to even to even parse here, right? Because so like, I've had a a beard for about two years because the pandemic was on. I was in one of those places where I was like, oh, I'm going to shave every day fully. Yeah, okay. I was. It was also one of those times where I was, you know, put on a little bit of pandemic weight. Nothing wrong with that. But I was like, maybe I would like to see if I can't explore other looks that might look, be a little bit more suited for the body I'm in at the moment, right? Um, that said, I've never thought of myself as a beard guy. When I okay. envision right. myself in my mind's eye, it is, uh, I'm, I'm clean shaven. Okay. And and it was starting to get to the point where I was like, I can't let this be who I am. Okay, you know what I mean? Because you know what I'm. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, do you understand what I mean by like I'm not a beard guy? Yeah, I think when 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 I picture myself in my mind's eye, I'm just like a floating nose. But that's like just a very literal. <laughs> that's a very literal way of, of seeing myself right in between. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Um, but like when I think about myself, like I don't have a beard, you yeah. know. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. But I I ran into this problem where my girlfriend and my girlfriend's mom were like, "You should keep your beard," and I was like, "I don't like it though. <laughs> I simply don't like it. <laughs> You're ganged um, up by both of them." <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of the, it's just one of those things where I was like, "Listen, I like I care I, I care less about what my girlfriend's mom thinks of my facial hair just in general." Um, but I, like I care what you think, Elena. Like together, like, that's like an extra but, little. But that's the thing. Like together, like that is it. That is one full, like a uh, uh, strong opinion. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, and so I like I was worried she was gonna break up with me if I did something drastic. So we went ha- sort of a half step, and I was like, I'm gonna do a mustache. Mustache. She's a big fan of. Turns oh, out. Oh, okay, okay. However. It's a 50-50 shot on people who I see on the street. Do they think I'm some handsome, young, strapping lad or some horrific weirdo pervert? Ah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mustaches are kind of, like, in. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of facial hair configurations are very in. But my big thing is, how long do I need to have this before I can then take the full step to be clean-shaven again? Do you know what I mean? Um... Like, do you need to? Like, can you just like go? Can you can you do the the spin out kind of situation? It doesn't it doesn't get long enough on the ends for that. Or I guess maybe it does. I just haven't haven't really let it. Yeah, just, like, I mean, really so grow. So for me, my whole thing was just like when when we were like doing the pandemic slash mask life. What an what an easy opportunity to to grow out that awkward stage of your beard to see what's yes. going on with it. Yes, like no one knew. No one knew. And even for the longest time, like when it was like first happening, when you're on like sometimes like the light, when you have like a, a the camera, it just d- didn't like transfer the same. And then I started doing the thing when I'd be in like a Zoom call and I would put in like the the filter that puts a beard on you just to like yeah. get people used to the idea. You know, like that's, just, no, that, that's, that's like exactly what I'm saying. I'm trying to get like people used to the idea of me not having facial hair and I've, yeah. it's gone like a half step to it. You know what I mean? But I just, I don't know how long am I supposed to wait with some facial hair until I just pull the, the full bandaid off and, and go none. So 
I was thinking you would do pretty well if you're on the New York Yankees because you know the New York Yankees have a no um, uh, beard policy. Um, Is that true? Yeah, they used. I mean, it used to be much more like strict. I believe it was like you couldn't have long hair. Um, you couldn't have wow. mutton chops, and then they changed it so you can still, have, you, you know, let your mustache flag fly, but you cannot have a beard. So I was like, notice, and I didn't know this till recently, but then I was like noticing that a lot of the players, I'm like, there is a, an odd amount of Yankees players that have mustaches, and then I found out they couldn't have beards, so you know they just compromised. They did the same compromise that you did, um, but they, you know, did it to keep making their. Uh, probably millions of dollar paycheck from the Yankees. Yeah, when I start getting those, I think I'll I'll, I'll keep the mustache. You know, like like I yeah, think oh, I would be yeah. I, I'd be okay with that. You know, uh, yeah. there's a full Wikipedia page by the way with like six different chapters um, titled New York Yankees appearance policy. By the oh, way, oh wow, if you're interested like, in that I mean, um, <laughs> it's a whole it's a whole thing. But yeah, I, I um like I guess I'm also I'm worried. What if I look different? What if I'm what if I'm a different person underneath and this mustache is the last thing covering it up? And then like I don't recognize my own face anymore. Oh, you just be a floating nose, you know? Exactly. Point, precisely. Like, precisely. Like my mind's eye right there. You Justin, you hit the nail on the head. So so that is an update on my um sort of facial hair life. I know that this is exactly the sort of thing that um our listeners come to this show for, our you know, our our Patreon supporters. Basically, we do an additional 30-minute uh, uh, mustache cast, or a stash cast, as we call it, um, for, for them every single week. So I know that, th- that this was a dying, uh, burning questions that y'all had uh, for us this week on It's in Box. rough transition there huh justin oh no it's <laughs> wonderful ne- justin uh spe- um, speaking of rough transitions i i, I went yeah. back to our early days of podcasting recently oh, don't do that and um uh, we worked through a lot like maybe a format yeah. was one of the things we worked through mm-hmm. but do you remember i tried to make a, a sound at the beginning of each the of the episodes i think probably sound. four to five episodes where you were doing that and, and, then, then, and then i realized dipped. that it's either didn't really play on the mic or it was audio poison so i stopped so we used to have um we used to do like fun one time one off segments. You remember that? Uh, I know <laughs> we did maybe two of them and then we were like, this is a bad idea. I think you and I, I think off air, we're like, we should not do this anymore. Right. <laughs> no, we're not doing <laughs> we're like, yep, yep. I got called out for this, by the way, by my roommate. He's like, um, he's, he said something about like, yeah, they dropped the whole hitbox day thing. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this Wednesday, you're listening to this live no not live it's not how it works you're listening to this on wednesday it's hitbox day all right wednesdays are hitbox days hitbox hitboxes are for the wednesdays okay it's important to remember that my name is peter hunt where has this gone joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host justin makovich thank you for listening episode number 157 justin how are you oh i'm i'm doing great um i actually i got a question that just came in through the the inboxes and i thought uh you you could help me answer this question oh, so yeah let's do it. um it's like a question and some explanation um uh, my worry is that after playing the last of us part two uh video games have been ruined for me 
-hmm. When I finished, I was trying to think about what to play next. I've got a Mm -hmm. decent sized backlog, PlayStation exclusives. And I was like, I'm going to play God of War because I've heard that's incredible. And I'm sure it is, but I just couldn't do it because I didn't want to compare it to The Last of Us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you think that's a fair worry, Peter? Yes, was that my worry? That was your worry from yeah, episode one of Hitbox. So, so what do you think? Do you think The Last of Us Part Two has ruined video games for you? Um, yeah, a little bit. Oh <laughs> I mean, no, like, well, that's sad. I mean, like a little bit. Like, like I, I think that that's a, a a fair thing to feel. Still, like those third person like uh, uh, like dramas, I, I feel. I just am going to compare them to The Last of Us, you know what I mean? And that's not to say that there haven't been any other good ones that I've played since playing The Last of Us Part 2. God of War is a good one. God of War Ragnarok, in my opinion, is an even better one. Um, like, like there's still there are still like good third-person action games or whatever, but I think in that immediate moment, if you've just played The Last of Us Part 2 for the first time, like what are you going to go do then? You shouldn't go play God of War. You should do what I did and play something completely different that's also very good and play Persona 5. Right, yeah, like I played Plague Tale um, Innocence right after that, which is a big mistake. Like it, I was like, going to say, it, that must have been rough, right? It really ruined that game, and that game is like not a bad game. It's just like no. next to those two things, it was just really rough. Um, but I, I do think a lot of the old games are old, uh, added just kind of still go with that. And like for me, the next big game is the one that I think about the most. So like I don't think playing Last of Us Part Two diminished playing God of War Ragnarok to me. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to say it did. It makes it worse. I mean, that's not how it works, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, you know, when you have a game that is like something that you would enjoy but not really think about again, like to me, it makes playing a, playing an incredible game next to a game that's like just okay that you probably would like, but like, again, just like isn't going to move you. Yeah. Um, it makes it, it, for me, it makes playing that lesser game a little bit more of a slog just because you're like, okay, do you think, yeah. Do you think the last of us part two would win game of the year this year? That is actually an incredible question. It's it's rough. Like I was, I was legitimately like processing this in my head being like, well, I mean, Zelda's really good. Did we have a bonus? Do we have a bonus show? Sorry, we should have talked about this off air. Do we have a bonus show for Patreon this week? Uh, we do actually this week, but uh, we okay. could we could we could get into that at a later time because I'm I'm I I'm a little I'm, I'm a little I'm torn happy by to, it. I would love to talk about that, especially let's wait for Starfield to come out. Let's wait for Starfield. Let's wait for Alan Wake, and let's wait for uh, me to play like the thirty other games I have to play this year oh that are pretty gosh. good because this is backlog central over here. Uh, maybe we'll do, okay, I've got some ideas. Yeah, okay, okay. Hey, if you're interested in joining the, in hearing our Patreon bonus episode, you can hop on over to patreon.com slash hitboxpod, become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producers producer. Only those $3 deluxe podcast producers like Jane Nolan, Dave Parker, get that um, additional 30-minute bonus episode that comes out every single week the same day that the regular Hitbox episode comes out on Hitbox Day. On Hitbox um, Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if you if you can't do that though, you can follow us on Twitter. If you're feeling uh, uh, generous with your follows and whatnot, you can also um, rake us on your podcast player of choice, the podcast app on Android, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, really, whatever you listen to the your pods on. That well, I, just, I actually I actually just got a note that Stitcher no longer is a thing, so there it's going away. It's going bye bye. I didn't even know what it was in the first place, so poor one out for Stitcher. So buy Stitcher. Um, Buy Stitcher. Uh, Kind of like back, walked into this backwards. Justin, here's a preview of the news that we're going to talk about. It's 
episode 157 anything can happen man yeah. uh here's, Keep it here's fresh. three headlines that that we're going to talk about today uh, 2023 gets another critically acclaimed game. Sony reveals its new handheld, the PlayStation Portal, and Jeff Keighley needs to step up the security at his shows. <laughs> We're going to talk about those three headlines and more. Uh, Justin, before we really get to the news of this episode, do you want to head over to the Metacritic Roundup? Let's do it! Metacritic Roundup. One, two, three, four games in the Metacritic Roundup this week. The first one is that uh, critically acclaimed release that I just mentioned here, uh, Sea of Stars. This is an RPG developed by Sabotage Studio. Um, I've seen... Was this at a PlayStation event or something like that? Or maybe a a Nintendo Direct? This is like a turn-based RPG that takes um, some inspiration from like Chrono Trigger and, and stuff like that. It's got some really gorgeous pixel art. Uh, and on the PlayStation 5, it scored a 90 on PC, an 89 on Xbox Series X, a 90, and on the Switch, a 91. It is also on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, although it is unscored there. Um, Justin, do these scores make you want to play Sea of Stars? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be odd here. Yeah. I think I've moved away from my want to play turn-based rpg games i know i said it out loud interesting but but when i hear that like there's a part of me that's like oh i don't know um i'm even trying to think about like pokemon and i think one of the problems i have with like current pokemon is that they're still slow and that's why arceus was at least a little bit of a bump for me because it was a Mm -hmm. different more active type of combat style um but like just hearing this being kind of a turn-based rpg I don't know. I mean, I, I could go back and play Chrono Trigger, but I I, I, I don't. <laughs> I could go yeah. back and play some old Final Fantasies, but I don't. Um, but with this being by, um, uh, weren't they the ones who did The Messenger, if I'm correct? Yeah, I, I've never heard of that game, though, before. The Messenger? I, I saw it's on their, yeah, I, I saw it was on their list of, like, we made The Messenger, so but it was like, I don't the, know what that The is. Messenger is this cool kind of, like, throwback uh, 2D, like, side scroll that you can switch between bits in it you had like the uh, 8 bit mm. and the 60 or 32 like forget the exact things but it was like part of the mechanic is that you could switch back between these worlds and it was a very like ninja gaiden style game um and i think it was just like a refreshing take on the 2d side scroller genre it was like uh, mm. i don't know it, it it's an interesting uh game to play i i played it as much as i would play a 2d side scrolling um ninja gaiden like sure. game but um so maybe this would be they would do something with it to kind of bring me in a little bit. But um, I just think I'm to the point, and I know this might be, this might upset some of our lovely listeners, but uh, turn-based RPG is not right now the first thing I would go to. Right, no, I, I think that's fair. And like, you know, preferences change and what people like change. It's like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm going to be picking this up. Um, I, I'm waiting on a code for it, to be entirely honest with you. Uh, I am excited to have something to play on the Switch because... I have gotten my fill of Zelda after a hundred and some hours. Mm, I'm done. And I loved it. And I love watching videos on it. There's a good Yako CM, what's his name, on YouTube video that just went up. Very good on his review of that game. Um, You're talking about how it is a um, flawed 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? Which I I thought it was a very interesting take. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm... gonna give this a shot also i mean i think these reviews to me uh mean this is something to look at and, and to, to give a try um what is it's like how long to beat uh, i imagine there isn't gonna be any data there 
Um, um, while you're looking that up, this is also yeah. on PS Plus Extra. Um, something oh, it is. that I have since subscribed to. So um, we might talk a little bit about how I could actually see myself playing this game later on in the episode. Um, but yeah, uh, it it looks pretty to say the very least. So yeah, um, there's only one uh, uh, entry on here for how long to beat. So I imagine it must be someone who reviewed it, but or worked on it maybe. And it's, it just says 26 and a half hours for all styles of play. Oh. So, which is main main plus sides. So, like that to me is like, I, I don't know if I would be able to sit down for a hundred hour turn based RPG. You know what I mean? But like, I, I wouldn't be able to do like Octopath Two or anything like that. But something like this, I think I would be able to, to yeah. give a shot. And I agree. I think that's like the perfect like little like caveat there that it is like a shorter one because sometimes when you start a, another 50 hour game right now sounds yeah, like one exactly. of the most horrifying things. Um, I just am looking at Reddit, the CSRs Reddit, uh, 25 to 30 hours, 20 if you rush it. Um, so that does actually seem that, okay. Okay. You're turning me back in here. You're, you're getting yeah. me back in. You're you're, you're hooking me. You're, you see that? And, and oh, But like oh. on the switch too. So easy to just pick up, play a little bit, do whatever. But um, so that's Sea of Stars. I am I am looking forward to getting into that because I think that, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested for an RPG, and I feel like, and you know, we've talked about how right now we're in a really good time. It's a really good time for RPGs, really depending on like no matter what flavor you want. Um, but I, I haven't. I don't know the last time I played like a just solid turn based RPG. I'm trying to think. I bet I have recently. I'm just just escaping me. But well, didn't you play Final Fantasy 16? Wasn't that like a turn based? Uh, did did you finish that or no? No, no, no. It's it's on my list. It's my it's one of the things I want to play. But yeah, you know. Time is a is a fleeting thought. Yeah, and that game is not one for <laughs> fleeting thoughts. It's like fleeting it's thoughts, very no. very intentional thoughts. <laughs> I, you, you get up, go to the bathroom when a cutscene is playing. You miss nine things. A character dies and comes back to life. And the fuck, yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, next game here on the Metacritic Roundup is Immortals of Avium or Avum. Avium. Avium sounds right to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it Avium from now on. I agree. On PlayStation Five, it scored a 71. PC a 67. And Xbox Series X a 77. Uh, it is not getting an Xbox One or PS4 release. This is this like magic uh, first person shooter type game. I will be honest with you. We talked about a game that came out last week. What was it called? I confuse for this. Um, Fallen or something to fall godfall no i'm talking about yeah 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 um atlas fallen yeah was it atlas fall uh, uh, atlas atlas blasphemous no that was not that week i know what you're talking about it's another one of those generic atlas ass fallen, games was it yeah, yeah. Like, like i guess like this is what i would consider like um generic fantasy core does that make sense <laughs> Do they like um, put this stuff through like you know Google Trends before they create the names of these games nowadays? Like this is all—it's also a weird name, isn't it? Just like I don't—I don't know what this means. But um, it might be just because I didn't play the game. That said, this game uh, reviewed okay. Um, you, you know, seventies is is not terrible. Uh, it looks like on PC there were some uh, performance issues. I think it looks like there were performance issues sort of all around. But um, this is a single player. Uh, uh, like story-based first-person shooter that you can get through in seven to fifteen hours, um, which I feel like is kind of not a super common thing anymore. Like, I guess I'm just trying to say, like, this is essentially the equivalent of like a pretty decent Call of Duty campaign, you know? 
Yeah, um, and it look it, the the actual mechanics to it itself, with it being kind of like a magic shooter rather than just a gun shooter, it's different unique. enough. It, yeah. it looks unique enough. Um, this was one, to be honest, that I was kind of flirting back and forth with drafting. Um, I yeah. think at one point I drafted it, but I used one of my drops on it just because I was like, I kept hearing previews about it being like, oh, it's that kind of game. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, not bad, but like, just it, it is what you're expecting it to be. <laughs> this is the kind of game that like will be $7 in about like, I don't know, a year and a half, let's say. Like all the time on on like the PlayStation Store, or the Xbox Store, or whatever, and like to me, that is when it's time to pick this game up to just go like, oh yeah, this I heard this game was all right, and then you give it a shot and you walk away and like, yeah, that's pretty good, you know what I mean? Yeah, this um, this would have been like to me like uh, a Game Pass game that I would yeah. play like between releases of something if I just had a little bit of time uh, to do yeah. it. But here's the thing: there's not a little bit of time between releases in 2023. No, no. no but so. but I'll say this too about a game that that scored like this. Like you, you know, I think you and I are pretty big champions of like hey a game that scores in the, the you know low 70s to mid 70s is still a pretty good game you know what i mean oh yeah and i think i think what a game like this can do for me personally is not overstay its welcome which it seems that this game does not do uh, or, it, 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 it it does not overstay its welcome is what i'm trying to say I mean, one of my favorite games I played this year was Atomic Heart. That was a 75. It was like on Metacritic. Was that it's like, this year? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, yeah, but right. Like it didn't overstay its welcome. It was fine enough, uh, you know, fun enough. And, and you walk away going like, yeah, all right, sure. Um, so, so yeah. So there you go. Immortals of AVM. Uh, are you checking this out? Probably not, right? I assume. No, 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 no. And again, it's nothing against it. I mean, if it was in that certain sweet spot of like being accessible in a time where I could play it, I might pick it up, but sure. Sure. Up next in the Metacritic roundup here is Fort solace or maybe Solus. I thought um, we only, would you look, would you look at that? Justin, my huh. sea of stars key just came in. Um, we're <laughs> it's in my inbox right now. I'm oh, not gonna... we want to display that on the screen for just, if anyone wants to see what's going on with it. Um, yeah, you know what? I, actually, let's end the podcast right now and I'll get a head start on that. And I'll report back to you. How's that sound? Yeah, cool. No, I, I'll just, um, Oh, I'll, um, I'll wait here. I'll in silence for the rest of the or, episode. Or do you think, do you think you could just, is it cool if, if I just dip out real quick and then you could just finish the episode? Yeah, cool. Self? Yeah, I'll cool. start just, yeah, I got some ideas. All right, give it a go. Headphones coming off. All right, so Fort Solace is really uh, Peter giving up on fantasy drafting for the year. Um, you see, Peter thought that Fort Solace was going to be the the way to save uh, his uh, open critic uh, fantasy draft, but um, I don't think that's going to happen because there, the scores have come out on this. It is a 64 on the PlayStation 5 currently. Um, and PC, it's a blistering 55 oh uh, Fort Solace. So um, I know open critic, it's it's not like on the 55 level. It's like, what what is it hitting on the open critic? Oh, you're 63. Ba- oh, yeah, I'm you're, back. You're, I're back, you're back, by the way. That, yeah. I heard you um, talking about my fucking fantasy team. <laughs> Fuck Fort Solace. Fuck you, Troy Baker and Randy Savage. What's this guy's name? Um, not Randy Savage. <laughs> Randy um, Savage. Um, who's the actor? The other actor in this. Kevin Bacon? No. No. Th- that's a pairing right there. Troy Baker and, and, and Kevin Bacon. I bet they'd be all right. Yeah, um, that'd, be, that'd be a good-looking tandem to put behind pixels and polygons. Uh, what's this guy's name? Roger Craig Smith? Roger Clark. Um, the voice of um, the guy from Red Dead 2. Gosh, this game, huh? Great so, cast. What, yeah, what did you say? Sorry, I was out. So, so wait, what is, what is it? 
What is what? Fort Salas. What do you mean? Like, what, like the game as a yeah, game? Yeah, what is it? It's like a walking sim. Did you it's kn- like, so, what's that? Did you know that when you drafted it? Um, yeah, so basically this was like marketed a little, because there wasn't a whole lot of like marketing for this. It was just like marketed as like, okay, this is going to be like a, a uh, Mars base thriller, like thriller drama. And they, it seemed like they were like really hanging their hats on like, okay, we got Troy Baker and Roger Clark, two fantastic voice actors that are going to carry the, this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was the sort of thing that like to me seemed based on the way that it, they described it to be like um, kind of a gameplay light, more story based experience um, that was just like based like pretty much solely focused on these two characters. And then apparently um, the drama is OK and the writing is okay, but at the end of the day, it's a really clunky game experience where you are like doing a lot of walking down hallways. And um, if you end up going down the wrong hallway because it it gets pretty big uh, and like the the hallways branch and stuff like that, if you end up going the wrong way, like you can end up like with a literal five minute walk back while you are just doing nothing in silence. Um, or like uh, a lot of like the dialogue and talking and, and like voice logs and stuff like that um, do not happen while you're actually exploring, which would have helped. But it's the sort of stuff that you have to either stop for or you have to be like standing in a specific place for. Um, so it's just like, no, thanks. It's just very, very slow and plotting. And it's the sort of thing where like if they added like a run button, I think they said this on uh, Next Lander podcast. Um, if they added like a run button, like you could probably get through this game in like 90 minutes. Mm. Um, and it's, it's like three hours right now and just is like, it's well, slow. Well, how can we pad out this game? I don't know. Like take away the sprint. Okay. Yeah, we got that. We got that. Just, so like, people, just have them like very slowly walk around. People effing love it. Um, I remember, uh, everyone's gone to the rapture. Do you, have, did you yeah. play that game? I didn't um, play it, but I know it. Like that was a game too, that like needed you to walk faster to really like enjoy it. And they did, I think mm-hmm. eventually add a sprint button, but it was like not, fast enough and like it just didn't do enough to save the game because i think part Mm -hmm. of a walking simulator s game uh like this it's more than just the speed of it of the walking that makes it slow i think Um, yeah here's a good review like little uh clip from i've never heard of this website before this is uh oyungazer oyungazer yeah yeah, i do not know this website it's like a Um, fortune 500 company i think uh they're a turkish Turkish gaming site. Um, This is a a little uh, blurb here. As an Unreal Engine 5 showcase, it's exquisite. As a sci-fi TV series or movie, it's not bad. But as a game, it fails. If you're hoping to be scared, thrilled, or immersed in a gripping story, reconsider your expectations. Um, If you're expecting to be thrilled, wrong place, buddy. (laughs) Well, but I mean, they they kept saying it's a thriller, like a space thriller, which it just apparently just doesn't offer much. So, I'm mad. Uh, I was excited for this to be on my fantasy team because I was like, oh, like, you know, it's a it's a it's got a good cast to it. And like, if it's a small game with a good cast, like that's great. You know, like I, I think that you could really if you just do a performance based like game like that, I think you can tell some really good stories. You know, and if you really focus on that, like, yes, it might be. Uh, not the greatest game, but if you can hang it, it, your hat on that, then you might be able to be okay. But apparently, Fort Salls just wasn't able to pull it out. But maybe next time. Are you pick? Are you grabbing this? Are you picking this up? <laughs> Is it like sixty dollars? I can't imagine, right? Like, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm gonna click on buy it on Amazon. What if it went directly to my cart? Oh, it's thirty four ninety nine. Still no. Yeah, still no thanks. But I do appreciate um, the price difference. Like that they get it. 
Yeah, for like a smaller game, because I imagine you know sixty bucks like that'd be a lot. Yeah. But again, I guess I guess Unreal Engine Five is that has been rolled out. Um, seems interesting enough, but no, no, thank you. So you go. That is Fort Solace. Last game here, Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon. PlayStation Five scored an eighty-six. Xbox Series X is seventy-nine. Play uh, PC in eighty-seven. Unscored on the PS4 and unscored on the Xbox One. I, Justin Magovich, am playing Armored Core Six: Fires of Rubicon on the PS5. Meant to pick it up on the Xbox. My local Target didn't have any physical copies of it on the Xbox, so I said fine. Well, why on the Xbox? Why? Why was that? Was it like I gotta play? I gotta play Souls on that? Um, do, do you ever think like uh, there were a few reasons? One, uh, I have an Xbox set up in here for work for capturing stuff, and I think I'm gonna do a handful of things with this game for work, so it would just be a lot easier to just not have to deal with moving the PS5 around. Um. To do you ever have like this is just like a really subjective thing, but like do you ever have games that you just like say this is to me an Xbox game? Yeah, usually to me is a PlayStation. If game. it's a good game, it's on PlayStation. If it's not, then it's Damn, on Xbox. Justin <laughs> Makovich. Wow. No, um, I, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. So, so like to me, it's just like oh, this feels like an Xbox game. Don't know why, but it's just my weird subjective thoughts on it. Uh, and then the last thing is, I I do prefer the Xbox controller over the um, PlayStation one. Uh, for for certain things and for a game like this, uh, I really th- that's going to use the, a lot of the shoulder buttons. I really like the bumpers on the Xbox controller. They've got that nice like mouse click to them. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to the um, PlayStation One, which is a little bit more of a like a button press. Does that make sense? Oh no, yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like speaking to that. Um, and once you talk about the game, I think you can add to this. But like this seems like a game that you need to be doing a lot at once with the button controls. Yep. And I have the Elite, which has the back pedals, which might actually be a helpful um, addition to my gameplay of this. Oh, yeah, probably would be, actually. Um, because then you don't have, I'm assuming you what you have to probably aim and jump separately. Yes. So I'm sure yeah, you could you set, just be able you could to do set that it with, up, which yeah. would be pretty nice. Um, I'm still not great with using those kind of controls, but I see definitely see the appeal um, of a fast Twitch game doing that. But anyway, so... Armored Core 6, uh, did you feel like you missed out not having played 1 through 5? Um, no. Let me say, like, you asked me, like, how is this game? And I was like, yeah, it's good. It's- uh, th- this is this is a game that, like, I am really glad that people are, like, loving. Um, but I, it is not the type of game that I am, like, head over heels in love with, okay. personally. Okay. I'm liking it. I, I do think it's good. And I'm having a fun time with it. But it's just not a game that I am, like, personally, like just dying and itching to play more of the second that I put it down. Um, it is very like, I imagine that it's pretty par for the course for a lot of like, um, armored core stuff where it's just very like small mission based, um, uh, like skirmishes that you do, uh, where you're just completing small little objectives. Missions are usually taking like anywhere between five and 10 minutes. Um, there's some pretty good boss fights that go on. And then in between missions, you are spending a lot of time like, decking out your mech your armored core so that you can um fight best and meet the um requirements that like the the missions are going to ask you of you that was a badly worded sentence um basically like a lot of it is trying to figure out like okay i just got totally demolished in this mission because i was doing this strategy with these weapons like what if we changed it up so that i use this strategy with these weapons and this sort of build for my like mech and and all that sort of stuff um it's cool stuff but it's it's um 
I really like the tinkering of it, but I, I think that um, the combat just isn't 100% what I tend to love. Does it make sense? Yeah, how, how far did you get in the game so far? So I am on the final mission of chapter one. There are six chapters, so, you know, maybe two to three hours of the game. I've not tried the final mission. I've heard that there is a just very challenging, like, sink or float, sink or swim uh, uh, boss at the end of it uh, that I'm excited to get into because that means that I get to really start to tinker with, with my loadout and my build and stuff like that. But um, because so I've, so I've played a fair amount. So I guess this is like a kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Um, is the game hard? Uh, it can be. It, it, it is a different type of game than I've really ever played before. Um, so you have to think about it a little bit differently. Um, it, it's kind of like a, it reminds me a little bit of something like Doom Eternal, which is like a very like run and gun sort of thing where um, you have to just be constantly adapting what you are doing in order to not get hit with the brunt of enemy attacks. You know what I mean? And just like yeah, constantly be improvising yeah. and like managing cooldowns and, and reloads and stuff like that. Um, so it is challenging at first because it's just a weird control scheme. Um, and then, uh, to my understanding, the bosses are, are very, fairly challenging. And that, that first boss is like a pretty big choke point for a lot of people. Um, but it's the sort of thing where, unlike a game that FromSoft has done previously, like Dark Souls or Elden Ring or something like that, where like, okay, the boss is doable. You just have to get better at it. Um, apparently what this game is really, really trying to push players to do is to change their build to make a weapon, make an armored core that is like specifically designed to fuck this thing up. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So like tinkering, it's about like tinkering with the settings of your actual mech in order to, uh, uh, properly overcome the challenges that you're being, that you're faced with as opposed to just like, well, just get better. Okay. So I guess the second question is, can you tell this is a from software game? Yeah, I think so. Um, if, if only because like some of those boss fights are very, like very from softy, there's like giant flaming swords and, and stuff like that. Um, there are a lot of like systems in place that are not borrowed from other games, but like you can tell that they clearly took a lot of inspiration from themselves. Um, with like, there's like a similar like stagger mechanic, similar to the stuff that's in dark souls, Elden ring and Sekiro, um, where like you deal enough damage you uh, of a certain type and then the enemy gets stunned for a few seconds. You can, you can go in and do like more damage and, and they're just vulnerable. And then you also have that same meter that you have to sort of manage. Um, other than that, like it's not a souls like game. And if you're interested, there's a 12 minute video on the website, dualshockers.com um, <laughs> on our YouTube channel uh, called what makes the souls like armor core six. And it is me getting into that topic and, and talking about like, this is a game buy from software, but like, does it have is it exactly what FromSoft has been sort of known for over the last like 10 15 years the answer is just no it's not a souls like it doesn't lean into those elements but it is um very clearly inspired by the games that the studio has made before it does that make sense yeah yeah um okay so you said that it's like doom eternal is there any other game that you can make a comparison to this um, that, that run and gun stuff is really what I mean by by the doom eternal stuff uh, I also think that um in a weird way, some of the like 
some of it reminds me a little bit of near automata believe mm. it or not just because um i'm it's not a jumped up dash game necessarily. oh i was gonna have that was my next question i'm so Although excited it kind of is like now oh. that i think on it it kind of is you've got a great dash um and um there's a lot of jumping involved. The the type of mech that I have, basically, you can like it gets really granular with like what you can do with the mechs um, to the point where like I have the different types of legs that you outfit your armored core with are um, like drastically change the way you play. So, for example, I have I'm trying to remember what they're called, like reverse joint legs or something like that, where basically they're like chicken legs, essentially. And they're really, really light, which means that um, my mech can get staggered pretty easily, but um, it's really light on its feet. So what you can do is um, when you jump, you jump really high and you are able to really easily get into like aerial combat and, and do dashes up there and, and like avoid incoming fire by going over enemies and stuff like that. And then also like raining down fire from above, um, which I think is really, really cool. And and you can do a lot of that jump, dump dash sort of stuff um, that I know you're really into, but then like you can use like tank treads essentially and like float and you can just be this sort of like, if you're floating with the tank treads on, uh, if you're using heavy machinery and heavy weaponry, um, you will not get thrown backwards in the way like your recoil will be like drastically reduced. Um, so if you're looking to be a little bit slower, but also just like use those like really heavy uh, attacking weapons, you can do that. Um, but the reason I think it's kind of like near, um, is just like you sometimes are doing the front fingers the on the, the, the bumpers. Thing. Yeah. And then like middle fingers on the triggers. Um, because basically how it works is, um, you have like two weapons, one in each hand and then one on each shoulder. And so the shoulder buttons do the shoulder weapons and then the, the triggers do the, um, handheld weapons. Um, so, so sometimes you do that, but I guess I'm trying to say like, you're managing like weapons that like you push the button, like the, the shoulder button wants to fire rockets. Right. And that is just a single button press that fires four rockets and that, that those are then on a cooldown. And then in one hand, you might have a, um, automatic rifle that just fires a steady stream of shots. Right. And then in the other hand, you might have, um, a laser rifle, which shoots, like if you hold it down, you can charge up an attack or, um, you have to like pull the trigger separate times in order to shoot it. So if you're managing all of those different things, you're having to think about like, button presses and timings and stuff like that. And the way that I find like Nier's automata, you've got like the, um, what are they called? They're like little service units. You know what I mean? The little floating yeah, guys that yeah, like yeah. shoot bullets and stuff. And then you also have your, um, like dash. I think that's mapped to one of the shoulder buttons or, or the trigger buttons. And then like the front, the face buttons are, um, like swords and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like all sorts of different like tempos and, and things to keep track of across all of your different fingers. And that is similar to armored core. So, uh, th- this might surprise you, but I am like scarily excited for this game. Um, to the point where I had a very busy weekend, my backlog is mm-hmm. like just hurting and I wanted to buy it this weekend. And yeah. then you talking about it. And the second you said, like, it reminds you of near cause of how you hold the controller, like a little child. I picked I up my that's controller. That's like, so your shit. I picked yeah. up the controller and I was just <laughs> holding, holding it, it. And I just had this like. <laughs> This like emotional feeling of oh, I'm home and like boy I have I have like the you are saying all the right things for me to want to play this game. 
I'm going to be excited. So we're going to take a look at it in one of our bonus episodes for this week for um, deluxe podcast producers on patreon.com slash hitbox pod. And uh, so I, I think you seeing some more hands on stuff is going to is going to um, really be able to scratch that itch for you or inform you if that's not something you want to play. Right. Because um, it is it is very like it's weird. Like you, you are. It is a it's a new control scheme for me to get used to, but it is uh, something I'm very into. And like I said, the tinkering with the um, tinkering with the the different like builds and stuff like that, I think is very cool. Um, it's just that for me, it takes a little bit too long. You can what you can do is you can tinker with stuff and then immediately go into the uh, like training mode to like mess around with stuff, and that's fine enough for me. But um, it takes a little bit too long to get between tinkering with stuff and into like an actual mission. Um, you can do some of that stuff on the fly in the different missions and stuff, but, um, it it just, it takes a little bit too long for me to get from one thing to another to really be able to see like, oh, okay, this is like a big difference between the, the like operating chipsets and and whatever else. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, the is, is, is it hard to unlock parts for it? No. So basically like there are certain missions that you can do where you'll unlock pieces and stuff like that. Um, or, uh, when you, at the end of every mission, like the garage shop will update and you just like have a set amount of money that you have that you can spend on, on different pieces and stuff like that. So it is pretty, like you are able to experiment around a little bit. Um, you might have to wait in between missions, you know, but, uh, for the most part, like you also are the, the, the mech that you start with, like we'll get the job done, but you quickly will, will start to get a lot of other stuff. Uh, the one thing though, that I is a little irritating with me with the garage system is that like, if you buy a weapon in one hand, so basically like the two shoulder, um, mounts can be equipped with the same, like, like the, they are able to use the same weapons and the same thing with the hands, like the hands are hold specific weapons. But if you buy a gun for the right hand, you don't have it for the left hand. Mm. same with the shoulders if you buy if you have something for the left shoulder you do not have that same thing for the right shoulder which like i I understand just makes like makes you think about like how you are going to do things a little bit more um but it is one of those things where i'm like i have that gun just hold it in the other hand you know what i mean so i can be outfitted with multiple things but um whatever any any other like criticisms or last minute like that you have about it no i think the story's kind of cool um, and, and again, it's not that I don't like it. It, it, like I do like it and I'm going to play it and, and I'm having a good time with it. Um, it's just one of those things where like, I, I, I see that a lot of people are like head over heels in love with this thing. Um, and I'm happy to have played it as a fan of from software now. Um, but it is, it does not for me scratch that same itch that gets scratched by dark souls or Sekiro or, or Elden Ring or whatever. All right. I can't wait to, uh, hear and see more of this game. And I will be holding my controller like a child in like the passenger seat who's driving along with his parents. I'm sure I'll be doing that. Or like, I, like I gave it to you and like mom told us like, you got to play with your brother. I'm like, fine. But let's like the controller's not plugged in. Yeah. But you're like telling me I'm actually controlling something that I yeah, like. I exactly. don't uh, Yeah. 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 You're in the gunner seat. How's that? Oh, I'll do it. Um, so there you go. Armor Core 6 fires Rubicon. I will be playing this more over the weeks. Um, I guess we'll see how much more with, I can see the stars in my inbox <laughs> and then Starfields comes out and then Alan Wake and then Spider-Man and then, Oh geez, I forgot to mention Spider-Man <laughs> Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh no. Um, Oh no, yeah. no, no. Lies of P that'll be on game pass. I'll play a little bit of that, but, um, uh, yeah. So Armor Core 6, Justin, you've been very busy this week. I assume you haven't played any games. No, I think I played, uh, Diablo Borda for like 10 minutes. Sure. <laughs> That's it. I got as far as I got there. Sure. I played a little bit more Dark Souls 2. Um, 
I don't know if I'm ever, when I'm going to finish that game, which has sort of been my history with it. <laughs> um, just is, because like of everything else coming out, but I do want I do want to finish it. Is part of it though that it's just not grabbing you the same as the other ones did? Um, yes and no. Uh, it, like like I am making progress, and I think the thing that I got caught up in the last time I played it was like I just got really stuck where I was just not able to get through enough stuff, you know what I mean? To, to feel like I was making any sort of forward momentum, but every single, every single time I've sat down with it, I've gotten farther and farther, uh, to the point where I am now, I don't know, like five to 10 hours in and I'm farther than where I was at 19 hours the last time I played it. So like it may be, maybe I'll sprint right through it, but, um, there's just enough else on my plate that I just don't know if I'm going to pick it up. And, and you've probably leveled up later. Your, your soul's abilities just enough to like move forward with it too, in a way that makes it a little bit more, you know what you're doing. Yeah. I have a better skill set because like, I understand the, like, I understand the language of the games a little bit better, you know, um, to the point where like, I'm just able to, to beat bosses, <laughs> you know, they, there was a boss that I was stuck on. It's like, you fight three of these, like, like metal cent like centurions at once and like i just couldn't figure out how to do that and then in this game i i think i give it like three tries and i got through it you know um it's yeah. just one of those things where like i just didn't have the skills to be able to like juggle things like that or know how to handle that sort of stuff but i do now you want to talk about the news justin let's do it <laughs> Gamescom, Europe's E3 <laughs> is what a lot of people describe it as. Um, uh, that doesn't say, mean the same thing today that it did 10 years ago. You know I, I guess, mean? you know, just in, now that you say that, that actually is a very solid point. Um, apparently better than Europe's E3 because it still exists and still has a, a solid audience. Uh, this, though, Gamescom uh, wasn't ever on my radar until I... Um, started in the industry i don't know was it something you followed before we started doing a podcast not necessarily from from what i used to take away from it is it to me seemed it was a lot like the stuff from e3 but then it was open to the public mm -hmm. and then it seemed like they started to do things like the opening night live to really start to have its own like press conference feel to it in a way that they were announcing things there and it was like kind of a slow trickle to relevance. And now it's just funny because now it is the relevant uh, conference convention to go to um, yeah. over E3. But yeah, I, I never really knew it was what it was um, when it first when I first uh, started to dabble in the industry. Me, me as well. But now, I mean, it's it's huge. And, and it's one of those things that I think shouldn't be downplayed. Um, although it, it tends to have a lot less like big major announcements and, and tends to be, at least in my experience, a little bit more um, important in the form of like giving updates on things that are being worked on. And then also getting, you know, as you mentioned, like it's a little bit more open to the public. So like getting demos in the hands of people and, and stuff like that, um, which I think is really nice because it just lets people like know what a game is like actually like you know what i mean so you end up getting a lot of like preview coverage and, and stuff like that which i tend to appreciate more than just like here was 19 trailers you know for stuff that you can't play that's not going to be out until 2029 do you, do you like does that make sense am i am i oh, alone in that no, yeah, no i think i think you are um correct like it's just like a deeper dive into what we already know and yeah. i think going through these announcements uh, little nightmares three was that new i think that to me that was like the popping announcement for me yeah um, and, the, and it's not even being developed by the original little nightmares uh, team right right it's, so it's um it, super massive who makes dark pictures which i just can't say i hate enough 
<laughs> I liked the quarry. I liked the quarry a lot. I liked the quarry a lot. That game kicked ass. And then I played all the Dark Pictures games and basically slept through all of them. That last one was really bad. That last one was so bad that I think I gave it a three at Game Skinny, and the editor had to be like, dude. A three. <laughs> like, is this really a three? A three out of ten. Yes. To sorry, clarify for yes. people, because that's. Um, he talked me up to a four, but I was like, talk how, how did he, that he, he was conversation go? He was doing his job. <laughs> he, was, he basically was like, the way I'm reading this, he's like, the way I'm reading this does not fall in line with our standards for what a three is. Uh-huh. And I was like, I think that's fair, man. Yeah. Um, Yes, I made it sound like he like told told me what to do with the score. We talked about it. It He's was like, not a bad it's a, experience. It's a nine point five, and you know it. Yes, it, yeah, you're right. I, I'm just, I'm just mad. Um, but like, so so, uh, Little Nightmares three. Yeah, like I guess that was like the big. <laughs> that was the, the pop. new game announcement. Oh yeah. no, they had oh, a live like, action trailer to Starfield. That really got me in. Oh, was that what that was? I was seeing that that go around Twitter, and I, and I didn't know if that was like a fan film or something like that. Yeah, it brought um, me in. Although they did that for Skyrim. Do you remember there was a really cool Skyrim um, live action trailer? And we all thought it was weird when when he just shouted randomly and then it made more sense once you actually got your hands on the game. I think he did, didn't it? Like, I think like it sounds like you're joking, but like that actually happened I'm sure. <laughs> in the trailer. It did. No, but I, I do think it is kind of funny. Like, I feel like we're maybe past that, <laughs> like, oh, like yeah. live action trailers, um, no, just because like at this point, like we know what a game looks like. Because like I feel like live action stuff used to be like, well, this is what you're supposed to imagine when you play Zelda. That being said, though, I think to me a live action trailer streams mainstream audience more so than yeah, no, that's fair. Like a like a CG trailer. So Bethesda, uh, you know, a game like this is veering towards that mainstream audience. Yep. So maybe that's what they're trying to go for with it. Um, I'm trying to confirm about um, the the screaming of the of the Skyrim as well, but um, it has to happen at the very end. You know, you know how those trailers go. Um, right at the very end of the Skyrim. Um, I, don't, I don't know. He's if this like, is a, yeah, I don't know if this is a spoiler. Um, I'm just thinking of hearing this music. Um, but uh, I actually hear the uh, music for Starfield is rocking. So, oh really? Um, oh, that's that, good. That might help the the title screen just a tad. Going back to that one, but uh, um, I didn't see a scream. I see a lot of uh, dirty people running. Yeah, oh, maybe um, I'm thinking of in that original trailer. He kills a dragon, or there's like fire all around him, and he screams at him, and then the the shout like goes over the dragon's shoulder, and you see a bunch of other stuff. Do you know? What pisses, no, but that was a CG one. What's that? Do you know what pisses me off? It's it's Tell whenever, me. whenever people have their swords on their back and they lift it up like that because that is yeah. like the most ineffective way to have your sword. Um, yeah, it's shoulder really is where or not shoulder uh, uh, at the hip is really where you want that, huh? Yeah, I mean, how many times do you? Have, can you imagine like how hard it is to just like I don't Sheath know that do like anything, that but like you got yeah. well, one sec, one sec, we're done here. Oh, my finger! Like yeah, no, a thousand percent. Um, so opening night live happened. Uh, uh, I went, we'll touch on, on sort of what happened there in a second. But Gamescom, uh, th- to be honest, uh, there's just like not a ton of like announcement news or, or anything like that. And and I'm like I said, I'm fine with that because this, I, I really value like the preview side of things um, a little bit more because there's just a lot of of people talking about um, cool games that are coming up. 
Uh, I don't think we're really going to touch on a lot of the preview stuff here, but um, if you are waiting on a game that's coming out later this year, it likely had a demo at Gamescom or something like that. Um, and I think that's that's pretty cool. But it, the well, yeah, what's up? Uh, just a fun little fact here. I'm on Deutschland.de. Um, don't Finally. know exactly what that DE stands for. I don't actually think I ever heard that, but allegedly um, Gamescom uh, had over uh, 320,000 visitors this year, um, bigger than last year, like that came through, which is insanely big. Now, that's not just like people on the show floor that are witnessing it. That also counts the organizers and the vendors, but that's a huge, huge number of people who are able to experience this. And that's a huge number of people going to that's in Cologne, right? Yep. So whew, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's a that's a pretty solid location for for a European based event like that. It's pretty centrally located, I think. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, but so I, I think th- I don't think this was announced at Gamescom, and if it was, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but we got finally PlayStation um, on Monday, I think, uh, or maybe it was Wednesday. Um, revealed the PlayStation Portal. <gasps> which is the um, handheld device that we've sort of heard a lot about uh, ever since it was revealed. Was it was that at the most recent PlayStation Showcase? Mm, I think that's when it first popped off. Yeah, they just kind of yeah. threw it in and were like, "What is this? Could be." Oh good. yeah, Jim Ryan showed up and he like revealed it. It was like P- Project Q or something like that. And Jim Ryan. Um, it's a it's a basically a dual sense controller with a switch screen just jammed in the center of it and it is for um remote play it is not a cloud streaming device it is pretty much exclusively for you to um oh here let me read this little blurb for you playstation portal this is from the playstation blog playstation portal is the perfect device for gamers in households where they might need to share their living room tv or simply want to play ps5 games in another room of the house playstation portal will connect remotely to your ps5 over wi-fi so you'll be able to swiftly jump from playing on your ps5 to your playstation portal playstation portal can uh, can play supported games that are installed on your ps5 console and use the dualsense controller it also includes a 3.5 millimeter audio jack for wired audio psvr2 games which require the headset and games that are streamed through playstation plus premiums cloud streaming are not supported so this is pretty much just you can play games that are on your hard drive on this controller it um i think has the battery life similar to a dual sense controller so for about three hours when you get it and then maybe <laughs> loses some of that battery life as it goes on um but justin what do you think about this oh sorry and the big 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 piece of information about this is that it's launching later this year i don't know if we have a date specifically but they said later this year and um also it costs 199 200 bucks for this thing justin we were talking a little bit about this before we started what do you think about the playstation portal i am so excited i think uh to me i was worried i mean in, in an ideal world i think 150 was where i'd set this in my head 200 is mm-hmm. a little bit more than i'd want to spend but not against what i would spend on it um i think i was worried if those leaks uh on xbox said it was going to be under 299 or something like uh, un, right i believe when they were talking about it when uh the ftc case and xbox it came out that sony was targeting a, a portable under oh, 299 oh, oh. I don't remember it. Yeah, but to on. me, two ninety nine. I'd be like that thing. Way too much. That, no, yes. no, no, no. Absolutely not. I would not. I would not be at all interested in this at two ninety nine. But at one ninety nine, I think this fits perfectly into the way I play video games. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons I like the Switch so much is not because of the games on the Switch are the are the best games ever. I mean, they have great games. It's just the convenience if I can play that anywhere. And yeah. I mean, I travel, but even when I travel, I'm not like playing games that much when I travel. So like I would be playing this in my house anyway. I would be playing this in my my living room um, while we're watching TV um, or like in my bed before I go to bed. Um, and yeah, I have the backbone, but there's a few things about the backbone that really make me upset when I'm playing Sony games. And that is the lack of the touchpad, easy, easy ability for me to use the touchpad, um, as well as the size of the screen. Uh, some of these games are near unplayable, um, when I'm playing on my backbone and mostly Diablo, because that would be a game, um, I would play almost every night before I went to bed, just a few. And instead it's replaced with Diablo immortal, not because it's better. In fact, I, I prefer Diablo 4 like 10 times more. Um, Mm -hmm. But I can actually go through and understand what is happening um, on the screen, unlike when I'm playing Diablo 4. And every every time I get an upgrade point, I'm like, I got to wait till I log back onto my computer in order to do this, to to do it. So I think the 8-inch screen in of itself is enough to get me excited um, to play this. I think it'll be nice. It'll be clear. And I do love, I do love me my uh, dual sense. Uh, I think the controller mm-hmm. fits well in my hands. And like, unless it's a completely uncomfortable fit in your hand with the weight in the middle, which I can't assume would be that much, um, I think this would fit in my life really, really well. And I'm excited to play it or have it. Sure, sure. And, and I think that that for someone like you, I think that this makes a lot of sense for me personally. I, it's just not something I'm ever going to use or need. You know. Yeah. Um, and I think you do make a good point in terms of like, because I've seen a lot of people and myself included, perhaps maybe dis- rather dismissively, dismissively have said like, just get a, just get a backbone. It's a hundred bucks, you know, and usually on sale. Um, but I think you do bring up a good point that like, hey, the UI on a lot of games does not scale properly for being on a phone screen. And and like and something I've talked about in the past, about like the adaptive triggers just don't like. If, if some games use them in a way that requires you to use them have them yeah yeah whereas like the alternate control schemes that they have just don't necessarily like work as well also with something like returnal or like ratchet and clank or something like that which do have options for not using the adaptive triggers but like at the end of the day i think they're designed with those things in mind but and i just want to be very clear like this is like a first world want and i'm also going to make a first world complaint about my backbone i have this um uh, auto box otter box um yeah. on my my phone and every time I play Backbone, I have to take it out. Take it off. Yep. And I have to put it on. And I know that's simple. But then if I get a text message or a phone call when I'm playing something on there, and if I'm playing like a single player game, I don't want to just like, you know, I, you can't answer that text message or that phone call without exiting out of remote play and then having to log back on to do it. Yeah, yeah. And like when I'm playing the the Backbone as a convenience then it starts to become annoying to me to a point where I'm like, ah, I don't want to do it. Or God forbid, I don't touch my cell phone and answer a phone call that I need. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I think, yeah, go on. This is just something that I'm excited by though. If you cannot use remote play in your house, don't use this. Don't buy this. You got to make sure you can use remote play <laughs> Yeah, and it works at least moderately well. Um, because if it doesn't, I'm assuming this isn't going to suddenly solve that because this is essentially the remote play device and that's This it. is just exclusively remote play. And, and you know what? You are bringing up something that like you are right because for me, 
uh, I, I so rarely use the PlayStation remote play stuff. I'm only ever really using Xbox uh, uh, cloud gaming or, or remote play, which I think works ex- like seamlessly, right? But on the PlayStation remote play stuff, it just does not, like it, like you said, you cannot answer a text. You cannot answer a call because then you have to go back to connecting and then like, is your PlayStation going to be able to connect or is it going to just like load for five minutes and then say there was an error, like the whole thing. Whereas Xbox, it just has that down a little bit more seamlessly. So yeah, so this is something I think that for those people who are looking to do more of the PlayStation side of things, like this is like the more good side sp- of things, right? Like yeah, the one with, yeah, the, just the, one with the, the good games on it. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that um, Starfield. Oh, Justin, fuck. You got me. Damn it. Uh, Re- uh, Redfall. Ah uh, shit! Sorry. Yeah, I mean. um, let me think. Um, 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 end of list. Uh, yeah. So, so I don't know. This this is cool uh, for people who for people like you who who I think um, will get something out of it. But for me, like, I'm, I'm okay. What are these additional buttons? Oh, 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 it's the mute button and then the PlayStation button. Um, that makes sense. Is this a touch screen? No, right? It looks like it is, but it's I think not. it is. I think it is. They have um like on the side. It looks like they have a little place where your thumb can easily go over to get the um the menu button there's like little like squares on it i'm pretty sure it does have um uh touch screen or at least something to get that um what is that button called i don't know the playstation button the the trackpad or whatever this one is in the center oh 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 yeah what do you do about that so on um remote play you use the touch pad the your touch screen to do it so from what i saw and again i I don't have this i'm trying to quickly like um back this up to make sure yeah it supports touch um i saw that where your thumbs go you can easily go to the middle of the screen and tap that without taking your hands off the controller because on the on the backbone i you have to take your hands off sometimes to do it so whenever i go into the map and things like that it's just very inconvenient and this even goes back to when you reviewed the play the um the uh playstation version of um the backbone backbone. how it wasn't optimized for playstation games which seems to be a the point of it you know yeah <laughs> like you would hope it was, just, it was just colors yeah 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 um so there you go playstation a portal um 199 coming later this year uh just an opening night live happened and this is the big sort of like game awards-esque showcase that jeff Keeley hosts and um he he's been doing this for what four years at this point for for gamescom gamescom excuse me and um you know, we said that there was not a whole lot new there that we hadn't seen before. They had Todd Howard come out and, and showed off some um, some uh, Starfield stuff. We had um, a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 gameplay trailer that sort of showed off its first level. We got more Alan Wake stuff, um, which I am very excited about. Some Diablo 4 uh, Season 2 things, Season of Blood. Um, I we, we got a lot we got to see a lot of stuff right we got like the release date for Tekken 8 which is coming out next year as opposed to this year which we thought it would would um we got to see a lot of stuff that we have sort of known about which was um kind of cool but the one thing that I do want to talk about here because I think like you know you want to look at these headlines like they are they are um impressive enough and interesting enough in their own right but I, I don't know if we need, need to um break it all down would you agree no. we can if you want but it's um straightforward enough updates little nightmares three blah 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 yeah but um they had two people storm the stage uh and and 
try and like, I don't know if they were trying to get the mic or like speak into the mic. Um, but th- it was uh, two guys. One of the guys walked up and said something about how Bill Clinton wants to play Grand Theft Auto 6. And then there was another guy who did it at the exact same time who I didn't even realize he did it because he didn't get anywhere close to Jeff Keighley, really. He like walked past him and, until you were like, there was a second guy. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> um, I, I thought he was security because he just walks up, like walks right past him. Um, and, and Jeff, I, I thought, handled it pretty well for the most part. He like walked away and, and just sort of said that you know he was disappointed that, that people would come here and try and like ruin this. You like, know that people worked hard and like yeah people yeah. worked hard for this and, and this is supposed to be a celebration of like games and whatever and it just sucks that people would come in here and try and like ruin that um and then I, I will say he was able to pivot really well because the very next thing that happened was like and please welcome to the stage todd howard <laughs> to talk about starfield you know what i mean like could not have been a better like let's keep the momentum of the show going you know what i mean and and the the audience seemed to be on his side with with all of it and, and all that but um this is happening like this happened the last at the two end the, of the last two Jeff shows, right? That was at um uh the Game Awards. Oh, the Game Awards. Sorry, yeah, not the last two because he did the um opening net whatever that was. But he did a summer of summer game summer Fest. game fest. Um, and I don't think anything happened there. No, but no, uh, was that in front of an audience? Uh, I'm not. It sure. might have been. I forget. I think it was but at, at game fest at, at that game fest man game awards so fucking so many games. games it's just like it's always like game noun or like noun noun game uh um, the game equinox get ready for that yeah one. so for the game awards at the end of the showcase some kid got on the mic after miyazaki and a bunch of people from from software spoke about like we're very happy to have one game of the year for elden ring um some kid gets up there and he's like i'd like to thank my what do you say like my orthodox rabbi bill clinton yeah see he also just like name dropped bill clinton and people were trying to figure out like why did this kid do this like that first kid and it was just he's just a prankster he's just like he just wanted to like did it for the the meme i guess um and then you've got these two other guys and they seemed like older than this kid this kid the kid who did the original thing was like 15 or something like that and then these other two guys seemed like older you know it's like to the point of like hey like this is kind of like more than just like a teenager doing something dumb, you know? Um, but my question for you, Justin is what do we do about this? Do we just need to have better security of these things? My answer is like, yes, like just like a general, like, yeah, just have like security guards stand there and and stop people if they try and get up there. But like, I mean, they got so close to Jeff Keighley. Like I, like something could have happened. Like, thank God it was just a bunch of, like, chuckle fucks going on about, um, like, Bill Clinton here. Like, it could have been, like, this could have been a serious issue. And yes. I think I remember recall talking about when this happened at Game Awards. Um, I, I was worried that it would change what these events would be because they'd have to, like, update their security and, like, make it mm-hmm. so, like, it would just be this whole process to get there. And not that that's a bad thing to do. Like, obviously they need it. But, like, for this to happen again they got right up to him they got really close to him and then like i you know watching the the security response it is the most lackadaisical you people just like sort of walked up to them yeah. to separate them and like i don't know like this this could be really like that could be a really bad thing it doesn't take like that much to you know create a tragedy like that um so i i don't know it it's 
problematic for me to see that. It makes me worried about like a fan and stuff like that to see something happen to creators or people I like and say what you want about Jeff Keighley. I'd rather a world with Jeff Keighley doing this stuff every month than a world without it because it just creates hype and interest in this industry and puts more eyes on it. Um, But uh, it's just to me, I I think it's the sort of thing where like they've been doing the game awards for, I think this, this year will be the, 10th year or maybe the next year is the 10th year like they've been doing the game awards for at this point it's established thing where it has gone from being something that has sort of been like um it's it gets views now it's like a big it's a big thing to the point where it's like almost i would say teetering on being a mainstream thing would you agree with me oh yeah 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 um and so now that it is at that level i think it is important for jeff's team and the, the the team of the people who are putting this on to take a step back and say, okay, we need to take this more seriously in terms of the people who are coming to this, because if this is going to be a mainstream thing and people are seeing that these people do get like a a platform to get up here and just say whatever the fuck they want, like that is something that needs to be taken seriously. And how do we fix that? You know, whether that is you have to buy tickets and verify your identity, you have to do whatever security is upgraded, whatever. Like it just has to be uh, they have to change something because this has grown big enough to the point where people are going to try and do this again. You know? Yeah. And like, like, you know, for as like what weird a situation as like if you remember like the fucking Oscars with Will Smith and uh, uh What's his name? Um, Chris Rock. Was that Chris Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Like, as, as, like, weirdly, as I think, like, the Oscars, like, committee handled that whole situation, they did do something about it. You know what I mean? Like, like they did at least try to do something about it, you know, regardless of how you feel about that decision, you know. Like, what I'm trying to say is, like, they said, like, hey, you can't do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And You and can't like, be in the Academy. They they could have stripped his Oscar away. Now, that would have been a statement, but yes. um, but still, they did something. Uh, right, not the point. But, yeah. but like, what I'm trying to say is, like, Jeff Keel, you need to understand that you have this platform and that you are creating a thing that is going to just continue growing in size and scope and scale. And because of that, the people who are coming to this are not just journalists and game devs and, like, a niche group of gaming fans and now it is going to be a lot more people and there's going to be a lot more eyes on this so you need to make sure that there is safety and and whatever precautions in place so that this just doesn't happen anymore you know because also like at the end of the day like you can tell that he's irritated about it and it is irritating to me too because i'm like i don't fucking want to hear about these kids you you, like like this is going to dominate the news cycle i don't give a shit about these people saying that bill clinton wants to play grand theft auto that is a very weird thing for me to think about you know like it's just like i don't care i don't want to hear about that i want to hear about the the stuff that's actually worth you know like listening to you know it yeah it's i i just think it's a it's a bigger it's not even a video game issue it's just a safety and security issue and yes um you know you said this this happened right before todd howard got on stage like yeah that's the other thing too and and like you want you i'm not gonna i'm not making generalizations here but like you also look at the types of people who sometimes tend to have go to go to internet comments if you look in internet comments yes and you that's see what i'm saying the like hate like the that, worst people on, on right. the planet you can see the hate that is yes. found in uh forums you can see the hat the hate that's left in youtube comments and like that hate is not just something that is 
contained to the internet. Um, we see that that bleed over into the real life all the time. And you put that towards video games, which I think feel, feel to be a, a industry that gets specifically hated and targeted and judged and critiqued and and yelled at by by commenters and people. Like it could be something that is extremely uh, that that could be an extremely you know tragic event if if we're not careful or you know they don't do stuff to fix this. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, you hope that for like the Game Awards or whatever his next thing is, that there is some sort of something in place to to prevent something like this, because, you know, and I, I think that, like, are we overreacting about it? I don't think so. But also, like, nothing has happened yet. But for me, it's the sort of thing where I'm like, but only a matter of time. I well, think, and, and, you know, and not to be like, you know, overly like, you know, dramatic here, overly serious here. There are so many things in life that you do, that you go to, that you experience that you go there hoping that a tragedy or something bad couldn't happen. Right. Yeah. Um, there was recently at Guaranteed Rate Field where the White Sox oh, play, yeah, there was shit, a shooting yes. that happened there. Um, like you're there, you know, that's a place you take your family to, to watch baseball games. I'm a high school teacher, right? Like I, you know, that's the last thing I want to have to think about or worry about. And we're doing a lot of stuff at our school to like try to increase safety. And while, you know, locking our doors during class can be inconvenient, I I think those inconvenience are building towards creating a safer environment to teach in where I don't have to worry about the unthinkable stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll see what, what they do, um, for, for, their next show and and you hope that they are having those conversations and saying like shit you know we we dropped the ball here and we need to we need to um improve things for yeah. next time so yeah. you hope you hope that's that's what's going on but moving right along to starfield um just as mr jeff Keeley did um so like the first 45 minutes of starfield leaked um on uh, online and the person who leaked it was trying to sell uh copies that he acquired he acquired 67 physical copies of the game which he apparently purchased illegally according to kotaku or sorry which he purchased legally um according to kotaku which i imagine means he got like he didn't steal them he bought them from like some like small game store that had them early do you know what i mean that was selling them early um and so the leaker was caught and has been charged with felony theft, theft of property between uh, $2,500 and $10,000, misdemeanor theft, misdemeanor possession of a controlled substance. So I think he also had like marijuana or something like that. Oh, I was He's like, from, uh, Starfield Tennessee. is a controlled substance? Like since yeah, when? Yeah, it's got that skooma. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think there is like, like. I think he was, his house was searched or something like that, and it was also like, and you have weed, and it's like, what? No, <laughs> um, I know. Something like that. <laughs> uh, so this is in te- a guy from Tennessee. Um, uh, so so he, he posted the, the like first 45 minutes of, of the, the game, and it wasn't even like captured. It was like a, re- like a video recording of, of his screen, which is hysterical. Um, and then he also, so he uploaded those videos, and then he was mailing copies that he's, sold uh, he was mailing copies that he bought to people that he that sold them um which you just you're not allowed to do you know um so they oh shit <laughs> um a search of his home found a copy of starfield and three handguns repeatedly uh, reportedly one of which was stolen um so he posted bail for ten thousand dollars and is awaiting trial on september 8th two days after starfield's starfield goes live 
Um, weird, huh? I mean, I, it's the sort of thing. <laughs> until after set, so ironic for some reason to me. It's like on launch day. It. If it was on launch day, that'd be even more perfect. The day it comes out, he's going to be <laughs> sent. It's interesting, though. Like, like you know, like... Uh. Like intellectual property, man. Like, like this sort of stuff is very serious, and and it, it's similar to like um, the stuff that happened with GTA Six. Uh, was that last summer or in the fall or something like that? Where enough of it, you know, sort of leaked out, and and um, Rockstar took some very serious legal action, as they should, because it's illegal to steal property, like like intellectual property and and assets and stuff like that, and post them online without the consent of the company that's working on that sort of stuff. You know. Um, so, so this sort of stuff, I think, is as as leaking as leak like leaker. Um, what's the word? Like culture, sort of like feels like it's on the rise in the games industry. Um, it feels like companies are taking it a lot more seriously and coming down a lot harder on people who are doing that. Um, what do you what do you think of of all of this with well, with regards to Starfield? I mean, very very simply, uh, this man is lucky that it wasn't Nintendo. Uh, that oh, was prison charge. This guy oh, would be this guy yeah. prison for life. Like, I mean, yeah. they would have sent Doug Bowser to his house. They would have sent Bowser to his house. They would have been done. Yeah. It would have been game over. Um, yeah, I mean, don't do stuff like this. Like, I don't care if you bought it legally or not. Like, there's still legal, <laughs> legal things. Like, if you buy something that's illegal and you buy it legally, it's still like illegal. You know what I mean? Like, if someone stole yeah. something, you buy it, it's still. Still, it, I, to me, it's just one of those things where, like, this guy didn't think this through, or just did not understand how this sort of thing works. Yeah, you know what I mean? That you, by you having this, you ain't you, buying you sixty-seven copies to do something legal with it. You know what I mean? Right, like, you've yes, made a exactly. choice. You're going through with it. And really, he could have bought two more copies, like just two more. Maybe they only had sixty-seven. Yeah, you're right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Sorry. And kept two Sorry. for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But um, it, it's also the sort of thing to me where, like, I don't know. If I got a copy of a game like that early, I mean, sometimes I do for work, right? But, like, if I got a copy of a game like that just early, I probably would have kept that to my damn self. See, that that's where I, I might, like, push back a little bit because your job is dependent on you not breaking embargoes. But that is for true. other people, that like, is true. Yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that could give you enough views and enough attention in order to kind of uh, make up for any legal fines that you would get. Obviously, this is more than just you know legal fines at a certain point. <laughs> I also point, wouldn't have three... I wouldn't have a stolen handgun in my house. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he was like, thank you. I couldn't, I couldn't tell which one was the stolen one. I was trying <laughs> to find out. I was mixing Looking them up. up all the serial numbers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's actually very fair. Um, I guess I was just like to me. I'm just like I would just take that as a sign of like, ooh, and then this gets to be my little secret. Yeah, I was like, I'd actually be able to like talk about this game when it comes out. You know, yeah, I have some time yeah. to play it beforehand. Weird, weird, but um, no. So he was taken care of, um, and we'll, <laughs> no, that's not got him. Bad. No, no, he was like the government took him and um, has he's on trial again. When is that? Uh, in a week from today, a week from Hitbox Day. Oh, they just released the name of the man. It was Bill Clinton. So, oh my gosh, full it, circle. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> um, Microsoft. 
in an attempt to appease the CMA, which is the UK's, um, what, it, what is the word? Competition and Markets Authority. Um, they said that they are going to be selling off Activision Blizzard cloud gaming rights to Ubisoft in order to um, diversify the market a little bit, which was something that the CMA was um, worried about. This is something that we've been sort of following, um, specifically the the way that the CMA has been looking at this Activision Blizzard Microsoft deal. Um, and Microsoft President Brad Smith said this to address the concerns about the impact of the proposed acquisition on cloud gaming on cloud game streaming raised by the UK Competition and Markets Authority. We are restructuring the transaction to acquire a narrower set of rights. This includes executing on agreement efforts at the closing of our merger that transfers the cloud streaming rights for all current and new Activision Blizzard PC and console games released over the next 15 years to Ubisoft Entertainment SA, a leading global game publisher. The rights will be in uh, perpetuity. So basically, perpetuity it's a word i can't say so basically um they're just expanding like the ubisoft plus lineup um and they're gonna be if you get ubisoft plus which i think you have if you have xbox game pass you will be able to stream activision blizzard games um on the cloud and unclear if that is going to satisfy the cma but it seems like that was the only real big thing that they took um uh issue with with the whole acquisition stuff so what do you think, man? Can, can you imagine like the Microsoft lawyers going in there and be like, "Wait, so you're okay with this if we sell and get more money from Ubisoft? Like you're okay with it if we just do that? That's all you want? You're okay with that? Fine. <laughs> you know, like wait, wait, we get to have cloud streaming yeah, on m- more more things. They get to use our technology on more things. Sure, yeah. What like can you like, like to me? It's just like such a silly sticking point. As was so much of this argument stuff about yeah. what they are focusing on. Um, I like again. I don't want to pretend like I'm a business lawyer here. I don't want to pretend that I know the intricates of these things. But for the love of God, if you have any reason to worry about this acquisition, it should be not just about like the mega corporation here it should be about the smaller companies not being able to compete with a company like microsoft and i'm sorry ubisoft is not a little company that we like are worried about here like it's just it's not it's just it's baffling me the the where like the ftc and then the uh, uh trade commission here are like just like getting stuck up on this stuff it just doesn't make sense it hasn't made sense to me from the beginning um i have by no means like been rooting for this deal not to go through I think there was an argument that could have been a compelling argument to at least talk about the idea of the monopoly and like trade, but they not once in that FTC lawsuit did they jump into what they needed to to actually make that argument. Instead, it was just like, but Call of Duty is a big deal, you know, like that's all they were yeah. talking about. And then and I think too, same thing with like, the CMA, right? About like the cloud streaming stuff. Like, okay, I, that is kind of an interesting angle to take on this, but like, oh, that's the only angle you have. Uh, oh, that's. That's like that's <laughs> like evidence that I would use as like oh and also this <laughs> like it would not be my leading argument but um, so there you go uh, someone brought up as well uh, I think this was also on the next lander podcast like yeah it's going to Ubisoft but like for fifteen years but do we maybe think that Ubisoft is going to be independent for fifteen full years <laughs> uh, I don't know you know because um, I know that they have been sort of interested in, in being bought but there you go last thing here Justin. Um, about Baldur's Gate 3. So it is coming to Xbox later this year. 
but there are going to be some um, limitations for its release on the Xbox Series S. Basically, um, they Larian Studios was had said something about the fact that um, there was a sticking point for bringing Baldur's Gate 3 to the Xbox, and it was that the Xbox Series S was not going to be able to run its split-screen stuff, um, or, or that if they wanted it to be coming out, it would, it was going to be pushed into 2024 without a real, um, without like a solid like date. So sort of more of like a, uh, what's the word? Uh, indefinite delay of just like, we, we will work on this, but like, we just have to figure out how to do this. But, um, according to Larian studio, uh, founder and CEO, Sve, Svev, uh, Vinke, I apologize if I'm, uh, butchering that name. Uh, he, he tweeted out, um, Super happy to confirm that after meeting Phil Spencer yesterday, this was at Gamescom, um, we found a solution that allows us to bring Baldur's Gate 3 to Xbox players this year still, something we've been working towards for quite some time. All improvements will be there with split-screen co-op on Xbox Series X. Series S will not feature split-screen co-op, but will also include cross-save progression between Steam and Xbox Series. Um, so that's kind of cool. You know, like the fact that, that a meeting like this, these people meeting, were able to sit down and say like, um, Hey, you know, we're, we're having this issue with, with getting this happening. Like, how can we, um, how can we make this work? And they figured out a, a solution for it. It's a little unfortunate for fans on the Xbox series S who maybe wanted to play split screen, but, um, I think that's exciting. What do you think? I would love to know um, if there are other games that this has happened to. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I just did a very cursory search on uh, Google to try to back this up. I don't know. I think this is a bigger deal than it is a cool thing because one of the draws to the Series S is that for you know cheaper, you get a digital system that can still run this stuff. It might not look as good or be as optimized, but we're talking about a feature. And I obviously know that a split-screen co-op situation is not just a little feature. This has long no. been something yeah. that's plagued um, games, specifically on the Xbox, but multiplayer games in general. But you now basically have an A and a B version of this. Um, and I'm sure this is not like a huge number, but I'm sure it's going to be a situation where you go out uh, and you and your your friend want to play um, couch co-op on Baldur's Gate. You buy it for your Series S. You boot it up to play it, and you can't play it because it doesn't allow it, and you didn't know it. Um, and I think what this does is that it makes me wonder, when is this market going to start to fracture more and split more? Um, because games are only going to get harder and harder to run on both of these in the same way. And I think it just goes back to that worry about the optimizing for two consoles and two systems at the same time. And to me, this is the first time I can remember that this has happened. So I don't know. I think this is like, obviously their goal is to get Baldur's Gate to people on Xbox sooner and why hold it back while it's only not working on the Series S and not everything, just the co-op feature. So why is that like, is that the right business move? But at the same time for Xbox, the, the, the promise of the series S has kind of been broken here to me. So I don't know. It's a, I don't know if concerning is the, the right thing, but it does. It's not necessarily the consumer friendly option for the series S owners out there. It is the sort of thing where we've heard a, f a few times over the years, like from devs saying like the Xbox series S is like, it holds back development and 
that's sort of been a very like vague statement where it's like no one's really had like specifics on what on what that means or like what they're meaning by that you know what i mean or like something specific to point to to say like this was held back but i think that this is the first time that it has been like this was not able would not have been able to come out had we not been able to have a meeting about this specific thing right um so while i do understand what you mean um I think the fact that it's taken this long for that to be an issue, oh. I would say, is exciting. And and this is the only thing that I've heard of that has been held back because of this. You know, yeah. and maybe maybe there are backdoor things that we don't know about that that are being held back because of that. But um, I think that this is exciting, at least just for the fact that it is coming. And I think that you are right. And I'm trying to I'm not trying to like justify it all because um, you are right that like the promise of the Xbox Series S is it plays the same stuff. It just is going to maybe run a little worse and look a little worse, you know, just in terms of its fidelity. So the fact that it is missing a feature because of that, I think is you are right, is a relatively big deal um, just for what that promise is. You know, the fact that you can still play it is still great. You know, the fact that it's not just like straight up, you cannot play this on Xbox series S I think is a great thing. Um, but what I would also say is that it is kind of cool though, to know that, okay, if there are issues, Xbox is interested in talking about it and, and coming to a solution that, that works for people, you know? Um, but did they say if co-op is coming later down the line on Xbox series S? Um, not that I saw, I mean, the specific tweet says it will not feature split screen co-op. Um, so it didn't make it seem like it's going to be in the future necessarily, but I do think it was probably one of those things where like, listen, we're not going to get this to work. I don't care what is going to happen. Like, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> Everything else is working, but co-op is not. Um, so what are we going to have to do to get this on here? And Phil, um, Phil Spencer is we, like, bring Baldur's Gate to Xbox or not? Oh. It, it's interesting. Um, this is a different article. Uh, this is on VGC um, by Tom Ivan titled, Phil Spencer, quote, doesn't see a world, end quote, where Xbox Series S has to miss out on some games. Basically, he Phil Spencer was asked about, like, um, does Xbox have any plans to release Xbox Series X exclusive games that won't run on the Xbox Series S? And um, let me just, I haven't read this full thing, so I would love to just read this out loud because I think it's interesting and worth talking about. It's currently a mandatory requirement for developers to ensure that their games are compatible with both Xbox, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S in order to release them for the Microsoft consoles. Some developers have argued that having to cater to Microsoft's entry-level console is limiting the potential of current games and the Xbox uh, release uh, and the Xbox release of one of this year's most high-profile titles, Baldur's Gate 3, is currently being held up by technical issues encountered by developer Larian Studios, which has so far been unable to get its split-screen co-op mode to run on the uh, on an accepted level on Series S. On S specifically, we designed the box with similarities to X and clear places um, where we're targeting a different where we're targeting a different performance, Spencer told Eurogamer on Wednesday, and we're taking feedback from devs, including Larian. I met with them today to talk about it, and I'm confident that we're going to find a good solution and we're going to learn. I don't see a world where the uh, where we drop S. In terms of um, parity, I don't think you've heard from us or Larian about... Sorry. In terms of parity, 
I don't think you've heard from us or Larian that this was about parody. I think it's more that the community is talking about it. There are features that ship on X today that do not ship on S, even from our own games, like ray tracing that works on S. It's not on S in certain games. So for an S customer, they spent roughly half what the X customer bought. They understand that it's not going to run the same way. I want to make sure that games are available on both. That's our job as a platform holder, and we're committed to that to our partners. And I think um, we're going to get there with Larian. So I'm not overly worried about that, but we've learned some stuff through it. So Phil Spencer argues that people who buy the Xbox Series S know that they are going to have a slightly different experience from the Xbox Series X. I I might disagree with that just from what we've talked about, like the promise of the S is play everything exactly the same. It just might look a little different, might run a little different, right? Whereas like what you said, that is a feature. That is a feature difference. Ray tracing. Yeah. You can argue is a feature, but it's not, at least to me, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a like gameplay it feature. It's, it's, it's a graphical game, right? feature, right? Yes. Um, it's a graphical setting, but God, Phil Spencer's so good at PR. Jesus. He's Christ. really good at PR. Even when I'm just <laughs> like, even when I'm like reading it in like my broken, like, uh, but, um, it's got the skills I wish I had. <laughs> Yeah. So there you go. So I think that's interesting. I'm glad that it is coming to the Xbox um, later this year. But yeah, I think you're totally right, though. It's just like, is is that um, lack of feature? Is that concerning? Maybe a little bit in a in a bubble, maybe even with this, it is a little concerning to, to know that the Xbox Series S might be held back in terms of other features. But and it's we'll like, what would you rather have not playing Baldur's Gate on the Xbox or right playing it with the slightly feature but the slightly different feature on the s but to me what that does is the camel's nose um yes. what, what happens how when many the camels, times can you do that yeah what, what happens once the camel's nose is under the tent eventually the rest of the camel's in the tent because it like lifts it up and like goes under it yeah. so like it, it's not necessarily like a red flag it's not like a bad thing it's just like this is happening now it's the first time this has happened and it's probably only because Baldur's gate is that big yeah So there you go. That is the news for this week. Thank you so much for joining us, dear listener. We truly appreciate you tuning in for Hitbox, episode number 157. I forgot to mention this at the top of the show because of the way we sort of like walked backwards into it, but you can join our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash hitboxpod, become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer like Jay Noel or like Dave Parker every single week. Those two and all other deluxe podcast producers in the future are getting access to our deluxe podcast stream. Uh, 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 not stream. Yeah, stream. What's the word for it? Uh, feed. Feed. There you go. You can find that deluxe podcast feed there. Um, those 30 minute bonus episodes. There is a significant amount of them. We've been doing this for over a year as of, I think, the past few weeks here. Um, so there's a significant amount of bonus content there for you. So you are very much welcome to um, access that for $3 a month on patreon.com slash hitbox If not, that's all good. Follow us on Twitter and remember to rate this episode on your podcast player of choice. Justin, did I miss anything? No, you did. Awesome. No, Justin, you did awesome. So we will catch you next week because video game news always happens. It's always more and more and more. And always remember, old games are old. Bye. Reach for the sky. Okay. All right. (laughs) I didn't forget. I didn't forget. Bringing it back. Goodbye.
else stop recording. <laughs> <laughs>